0: Um, we got some good games going on, um, but before we dive in, um, I want to let our listeners know that we are recording this at five o'clock Pacific time on um, Thursday, the twenty fourth. So, uh, this is pre uh, Lakers Nuggets game four. So, all our takes and all our and all our analysis going to be you know games one to three for the Lakers and Nuggets, and also games one through four for the Heat and Celtics. So, you know, speaking of the Heat and Celtics, let's dive into that series. Um, so my first take on this is even if it's three to one where Miami's up, I still think this is such a great series overall in terms of like competitiveness and like grit and, and, and in all terms, of playoff basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one of the biggest stats I saw um, on Twitter last night was even if the heater up three, one, I think it's because of that game, um, game three, uh, technical blowout victory. Mm-hmm. The combined points are f- like, tied (laughs) somehow i don't get it i don't know how it adds up but it works um but you know i think it's a great series um i think for you as a heat fan i think you're very happy of where this is going um and as a resident heat fan you know you get to go in with the first take today
1: oh okay thank you i appreciate that you know i think that um even though the heat are up three to one it could very much be the opposite they've uh the heat have just executed better down the stretch Hmm. Um, I was very happy to see that uh, the Heat came out with a little bit more energy and fire in game four than they did in the previous three combined. Mm-hmm. I don't think there was ever a double. I, I think at one point only the Heat were up by 12, and then the Celtics came back, but the Heat weren't yeah. down double digits in this in that game four, if I'm
0: not mistaken. I don't believe so either. Um, I think for the most part, the Heat held the lead for the, for the majority of the game. The only time they were down is when I think they went down maybe four. The Celtics when they had that, I think, 17 to 2 or 17 to 4 run. Yeah,
1: during the third quarter, right?
0: Yeah, at the end of the third quarter, start of the fourth. But I think again, like you said, the heat did execute better at the end of the at the end of the game. My take r- real quick, uh, especially from, from yesterday was I genuinely and this is what JVG also said, but I also I agree with him. It's the fact that I like the commitment to the zone defense that Miami has been doing the Miami heat, I think have been playing the most zone defense out of anybody in the league. Um, So, I I mean, I, I love the commitment and it's, it's working, you know, the, you know, I'll dive into the Celtics later, but you know, the Celtics can't break the zone defense. I, whether it's the running a two, three or running a two, two, one, like the, the heat are well equipped because they can either, you know, they're quick. They can keep moving. And like, I think they have a general great basketball IQ to know what spot they need to be in order to defend, like defend the Celtics. Um I also like how um uh, that he have like a rent, like an unsung hero. Every game, it's not always going to be um one person that like, Hey, okay. You know, like um we're always going to go to him. What, you know, if we're down. So like, for example, like, you know, the Celtics will always have to look at Jason Tatum. Like, okay, do you have to bail us out or, mm-hmm. um, milwaukee but you know even though milwaukee got you know but you know busted uh you know they're always gonna look at Giannis like hey Giannis, you know bail us out but if you look at the heat right game one you know bam you know gets the game winning block but goran dragic is the guy who you know put on 28 points right Mm -hmm. um game two jimmy butler you know shows how clutch he is um scores i think only 20 or 22 but he Comes up clutch, right? He gets those key buckets at the end, right? Yeah, he got it. He did a lot of. Uh, most of it was done on the defensive side of the ball. Key yeah. turnovers. He's, he's very. I, whoever says like whoever, everything like Jimmy Butler is just like an offensive player. Like I don't think watches enough basketball to like realize that. Last night, Tyler Hero pops off for thirty-seven. That's the second most points in uh, NBA history when it comes to a guy under twenty-one. I believe is the stat. So again, I think the Heat. You know, on top of this unsung hero stuff, um, great team basketball, you know, great game planning and execution, you know, by uh, Spolstra to, again, commit to the zone. And um, I'll, I'll dive into this later when we talk about the Celtics. But, you know, offensively, good job on, like, to, to keep telling them to keep attacking Kemba Walker on defense because Kemba Walker right. can, can defend for, for his life right now. Yeah, he's uh he's outsized
1: by pretty much everybody on the Heath roster, except for maybe Kendrick Nunn, who I yeah, he's he's not getting a lot of minutes.
0: You know what? Um replace replace Kendrick Nine on the all rookie team, put Tyler Hero on there. <laughs> May make a last minute edit. Tyler Hero is so much better.
1: No, I was just saying that he uh what you were saying about how there's, you know, a different hero every night. Mm-hmm. Uh, no no pun intended uh, <laughs> that's something that uh that's something that uh both jimmy butler and tyler hero said in their uh post-game press conferences mm-hmm. where uh I, I believe the reporter asked jimmy um are you surprised by tyler going off like this and yeah. jimmy said no i'm not because anybody on our team can go off like this on any given night
0: yeah
1: and it was tyler tonight it'll be someone else
0: uh tomorrow night yeah, and I agree with it again because again, you know, we like we said, you know, Goron goes off, Jimmy goes off, Tyler Hero goes off. For all we know, Duncan Robinson finally, like, you know, hits his three consistently because I know um, at some some points yesterday and some points, you know, throughout the series, he's had you know mini shooting slumps. So for all we know, Duncan Robinson could be the the game five hero. Um, but speaking of our, uh, you know, no pun intended, unsung hero for game four, uh, Tyler Hero himself. It's kind of like the um, the Donovan Mitchell uh, scenario where um, he absolutely like goes off in the playoffs, and everyone you know kind of like hops onto the Tyler Hero bandwagon, you know. Mm. And if you if you don't know this, apparently that uh, Tyler Hero is now the number one leading jersey sale right now. <laughs> that, <laughs> um, so I, I, I I don't I personally don't believe that. <laughs> I, I saw I saw this like I think NBA Central tweeted this out. I, th- you know, I, I'm going to buy into the hype that he is a star. I think he has a, so much higher like potential than like what he's shown throughout the regular season because of what he's done in the bubble. But from what we've seen so far, I think Tyler hero has got, got—he's you know, he's got the makings to be like a future all-star and possibly even a superstar in the long run for the Miami heat.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's certainly possible. He has to keep on working. You know, all of his teammates are have praised his uh his work ethic throughout the <clears throat> throughout the shutdown and everything. He was consistently working on his on uh on ball and off ball offense and defense. And mm-hmm. I think it's definitely shown. You know, you were talking about the zone defense earlier. Mm-hmm. The Heat don't have they always have one or two players on the court that aren't great one on one defenders. Mm-hmm. But all of them are smart enough to make the right rotations and to cut off the right, like cut off the passing lanes and whatnot. Most teams don't have that.
0: And I'm not even gonna lie, like Tyler Hero is not the greatest defender. We know this, but he's like you said, he he is smart enough to make the right uh, right rotations. But the one thing I really I really love about Tyler Hero though is that this dude has like absolute balls of steel to be pulling the shots that he's doing. Um, he's looking like he's looking like a Steph Curry le- level confidence when he when he pulls up, because you know when like when Steph pulls up, like you you already know it's like, it's a seventy five percent, even eighty percent chance it's gonna fall in, even if it's like the wildest looking shot, right? Yeah. And with him, literally this whole series, it's he does like some crazy step back, and you're like, oh, there's no way he's just chucking it, and bam, he hits it. Um, you know he gets he's getting the Mike Breen treatment now, and you know not very many people right. get the Mike <laughs> Breen treatment. You know, getting getting a getting the bang. So um, I think honestly, like if you if you constantly give him the green light, you know, even if even if he goes like starts out over for five, right, or over for seven, yeah. I, he's still gonna chuck it, and he's gonna probably still shoot maybe forty, fifty percent for the game. Like I think that's how confident, and that's how good he is. Yeah, that's certainly
1: that's certainly possible. I think it's also that uh, I think it's also that uh, the Heat aren't treating him like they don't treat him like most teams would treat a rookie you oh, know, yeah. where the where the veteran players are like hey you can't take that shot uh that's not you haven't earned this or mm-hmm. you need you know carry our bags stuff like that mm-hmm. uh you can tell that's not how they treat them they treat them like an equal and a peer mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it's uh it's paying off
0: yeah and, and again like you know with that too with what you said about how they treat them like it speaks to the miami heat culture right like yep. the miami heat are obviously like at times like you know they a couple of years before this, you know, when they're missing the playoffs, you know, they're not at, they're not bad, but they're not like playoff caliber. But even then, let's the the culture's always been okay. Whatever we're doing, we're always going to try to win games, no matter what. Like no matter who we put out on the floor, each each person's going to contribute in some way, shape, or form, whether it's tonight or tomorrow, right? And so i I it just speaks to again, Coach Bolsha and Pat Riley for assembling a group of players that will always grind and always try to get people to, you know, work each other up and always, you know, keep the winning mentality going and that they're always going to be, right. always going to have to be the quote unquote underdog. Cause again, you know, ESPN had that graphic of like how all these players from Jimmy Butler, um, Duncan Robinson, Jay Crowder, like all these players that kind of, you know, work from D3 or Juco and literally worked their way into the NBA. So there's no, I don't like sure. Some of them have egos when it comes to like, you know, oh, you know, I'm, I'm better than this player, blah, 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 blah. But, like, team-wise, you know, there's no ego. They, each of them know that, you know, they came from somewhere and, like, collectively, like, to be successful, they need to rely on each other, which is – I, I genuinely love that and how the, the Miami Heat have been playing basketball lately. Um, on the flip side, um, the Celtics, I, you know, even though they're down one to – you know, three to one, I don't think they're in any, in any position to panic – because again, a lot of these games have been close, but if if the Celtics have a chance to even you know come back, they have to figure out how to break the zone defense. Like I mentioned earlier, um, ideally, like you you would think that they would keep cutting, they would keep trying to get open open closer, you know, get open threes, but they've just been constantly running isos. I, I you know like I get it. You have a great iso player in Jason Tatum and Kim Walker at times is you know is a very solid you know very solid uh iso player as right. well, and so it it makes so sense to me that like you know like it, it just doesn't make sense like yeah yeah move around
1: <laughs> but yeah it's 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 hard because like the heat they they're so good at like i don't have the stats for this, but they're so good at um cutting off passes and you know especially when they're locked in, they weren't really locked in in game three, and you could tell. The Celtics were getting all these backdoor cuts and easy paths to the basket, but no points came easy in the in
0: mm-hmm. Game Four. I know it's just because I mean, like again, with the ISO with the ISO stuff that the Celtics were doing, like it literally forced forced uh, the the other four players on the court to like literally just stand there, right? Yeah. No looking like James Harden and the Rockets, and so. Mm-hmm. Again, to break the zone, you need to, you know, give constant movement and get wide open shooters. And like I mean they they are NBA players, they they know how to do this, but I, I guess it's just the heat playing this zone defense so well that like the, the Celtics can't even do that correctly. <laughs> so again, shout out to the heat for that. Beyond beyond this ISO thing, I, I think the Celtics just need more consistency out of just outside of Jason Tatum. Genuinely as as a scorer, right?
1: yeah definitely um so i i have a if i were the celtics you know couch potato fan talking here Mm. Uh, if i were the celtics and if i'm brad stevens it's you know it's kind of desperation time you know you're one win you're one loss away from going home on offense i would swap out uh jalen brown's role and kemba walker's role really because yeah 100 percent. because jalen brown He's been so good for them on offense, too. He's made so many clutch threes for them. But most of the time on offense, you know, like you said, it's either Jason Tatum isos or it's Kimball Walker isos, and he's just kind Mm. of chilling in the corner watching. Yeah. I heard on a – I listened to the Locked on NBA podcast today, and over Mm. there uh, he said that – David Locke said that um, Jalen Brown is too good to be in the role that he's in. and
0: I agree with it, yeah.
1: If the Celtics keep this similar pecking order for the next few years, it'll kind of be like James Harden behind Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. I agree with it. Um, now, my second take, which is an even hotter take, okay, is that on defense, if I were the Celtics, I would, in a final gamble, limit Kemba Walker's minutes because the Heat are just taking advantage of any mismatch they can get on. Oh, him.
0: I, I would definitely agree with you on that.
1: Yeah, and they run so many screens and dribble handoffs and stuff that it's impossible not to switch. Oh, I, if, I definitely, uh, yeah. There, There's
0: a lot of movement, so I don't know. If so, I'm the
1: Celtics, that's my Hail Mary attempt.
0: <laughs> so if I, Okay, so if I'm the Celtics, right, like, I agree. Um, Jalen Brown, does, I think, okay, you know, looking ahead, I think Jalen Brown is totally going to be the number two option, even if Kemba stays there long-term. Um, oh, for sure. I'll get that out of the way, but um, – so with the Celtics, right, like, even if you look at the, you know, their stats, like it looks like they're scoring and all of that is like pretty even, it's how you would expect. Right. But like I said, with the consistency again, like um, you'll have like Jalen Brown, have a great game and then he'll, he'll fall off the face of the earth. Yeah. Kim Walker, I think the, you know, has had a, has had a solid, you know, past couple of games in games three and four, but in games one and two, he was, he was an absolute non-factor. Right. Marcus Smart had a great game one, has disappeared on offense, but has been a great defender, right? If the if the Boston Celtics are going to come back, they need at least maybe Jalen Brown and, you know, Kemba Walker to at least play consistent, right? Um, yeah. Because Marcus Smart is mainly a defensive guy. And so with that, you know, and, and to your point now of what you call it, like limiting Kemba Walker, I agree with this point. Um, I don't think that it's that hot of a take because he's such a liability on defense. Literally, like in the crunch time, right? They hit, like he's always going to be targeted. They run a, you know, they switch him on like on Bam, right? And Bam's obviously going to tower over him. He's going to post him up, and we'll probably get the easy layup or dunk on him, right? Same thing with yeah. Jimmy Butler. He's such a great mid-range guy. He's it's either he's going to post up and shoot the fadeaway on him or drive past him, and and that's you know I think you said this the last time we recorded. Like that's the downfall of undersized guards. And so, um, they did get Gordon Hayward back, you know. And so, I I assume because their starting five has always, you know, the whole series has been Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Kemba Walker, Marcus Smart, and Daniel Thyss, right? I, for defense sake, especially when it comes to like late game situations, I would just replace Kemba with like Gordon. Like, sure, Gordon is you know not that great of a defender. You know, uh, I'm not gonna say that he's like elite, but at least he's sizable enough to maybe match up against like J. Crowder or someone. Yeah, he's not a he's not like a full-on liability. Although the yeah. Heat
1: have been the Heat have been attacking him too, but that's mainly because he's still kind of
0: he's still ginger on the ankle. Yeah, right.
1: Exactly. Um, like he, I think he said himself that he's not 100. Like,
0: if you really want to go full-on gamble, you put on Grant Williams. You know he oh yeah
1: the, the heat cannot stop that guy from rebounding
0: yeah so that's what I'm saying like if you like if they were, if the heat or not the heat the, if the Celtics want to full on gamble it and really be like hey we need we need some spark sure put in put in Grant Williams like, that rookie's been very you know very solid for them now if if Brad Stevens doesn't want to sub out Kemba like he thinks like the the offense is too important to sacrifice. Then he has to do what he did with IT, like he has to figure out a way to shadow IT, or not shadow like shadow uh, Campbell Walker, like Harry shadow uh, shadowed Isaiah Thomas from like defense, right? Because if you remember, like uh, Isaiah Thomas's like um, MVP run, kinda like he I think he finished third or fourth, but he he had a solid MVP caliber season, right? But he's five nine and can defend for crap, right? Yeah, but what? Um, but what Brad Stevens was able to do was was be able to mask uh, his liability, and you know put him on maybe the worst you know offensive player, or, you know, you know just sit him in the quarter the whole time, right? And so if if I'm the Brad Stevens, maybe try doing that with Kimball Walker. It's just going to be hard because again, like like we talked about earlier, anyone in the Miami he can score. Is it the safest thing? Sure. But it's also like very risky, you know, inherently. Um, yeah, definitely. Oh, I just want to make a quick correction. Go uh, for it.
1: I was uh, when I said that he can stop him from rebounding. I was talking about Robert Williams,
0: not Grant. Oh, Williams. Time, oh, Time Lord. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't
1: know what, what. I don't even know what that nickname means. I. Oh. I just, okay. So.
0: So Time Lord um, literally was when his rookie season last season, um, he was constantly late say meetings because he overslept oh, and oh my drank, god and it's because he drinks too much soda or something and so that's why and someone on uh on R-N-B-A just couldn't give them the nickname time word or something like that amazing yeah and it's stuck ever since I, I think he even made like a they made a reference to that on game of zones as well but yeah so going back on topic though um my last point for the celtics is that i think daniel tice is a very underrated big man Um, and it's shown, I think this whole playoff run and not just the series. Cause sure. He doesn't have like that big of like, uh, like an impact on offense, but this guy, you know, in terms of rebounding, he's like, he's their second leading rebounder only behind Jason Tatum, who's been absolutely phenomenal. Um, but I think Daniel Tice is like a solid, you know, I think interior defender, solid screener and, He's going to be always like there in the you know under the basket either to get the rebound or to get the put back. Um, he's very physical and I think you know he's very yeah. underrated for for a player of his caliber for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um moving along to the you know other uh conference final and so we're moving west to the Lakers and Nuggets. So my my only big take and I don't even think it's big is the Nuggets winning game three does not change like me my prediction of the Lakers w- still winning this series, like even if the Lakers win tonight um and go up three one i don't I don't even think that the nuggets are gonna come back like I love the three one nuggets and i I don't want to count at the three one nuggets, but I just don't see LeBron blowing a three one lead i just I just can't um
1: it would it would certainly be a big blow to lebron's legacy if something like that happened
0: <laughs> and that's what i'm saying like goodness. i just i just don't think that ever happens because he, and and here's my thing too like with that is i think game 4 for the lakers was such an anomaly like from from the very start of the game they were just very non energetic right and they they played terrible basketball for the, the yeah. first 3 quarters it,
1: it's kind of the uh, the early trash talk effect, mm-hmm. you know. After after they barely escaped with uh with game game two, yeah. Uh, Dwight Howard is telling the Nuggets they should just go home.
0: Yeah, <laughs> um, I messed them up.
1: I'm not very I'm not a very superstitious person, but oftentimes mm. when you see players or teams talking like that, they end up not performing very well. The next um, game, yeah. Now, with that being said, um, actually, I'll save this until we get to the Nuggets.
0: Um, Okay, so I guess then bouncing off uh, off your point, though, I also believe that they're also off that um, game-winning shot hangover because, you know, you assume assume that, you know, you hit the game-winning shot that should theoretically blow, like, all the morale away from the Nuggets who literally did all they could just to even, you know get the lead only for 80 to hit that game winning shot. Yeah. But for, for game, uh, game four um, and onward, essentially like the Lakers have to keep their, you know, you know, foot on the pedal because again, they didn't do that in in the first half and it kind of cost them. And um, they only did in the fourth quarter uh, with 80 LeBron, mainly, mainly LeBron and Rondo and, and KCP, Literally, you know, leading the charge to to come back, but even then, it was too little, too late because they got gassed, right? Yeah, the Lakers do have a lot of old players. Yeah, and I mean, again, like it's good because they, you know, they all they all have veteran playoff experience, and like you can rely on them to win. But um, they just from the start, you just need to punch the Nuggets in the mouth and make sure. And make right. sure they don't. Because again, like, look, the Lakers don't have, you know, Paul George, luckily. And so they're not prone <laughs> to having one of their superstars have an t- absolutely terrible game. And I'm not going to excuse Anthony Davis from having that two, only having two rebounds in 42 minutes. That's unacceptable. But again, LeBron and AD are too good to, you know, play, you know, lackluster back to back games like Paul George can. Um, Yeah,
1: they're still the two best players left in the bubble.
0: Yeah. And so at that point, like, again, you can expect LeBron and AD to at least put up 25 each, maybe get a double double each, right? Um, My thing is, and uh, my thing is just that the role players, you know, again, like I said about uh, the Celtics, they just need consistency from it. Um, Playoff round is very real. And, you know, he's been one of the other bright role players like the Lakers have. But, again, I don't think, uh, play, you know, the playoff Rondo is enough, per se, you know, to kind of elevate. Because, again, he, he gives you either, like, defense and assists or, you know, maybe, like, one or two quick buckets. That's it. Yeah. Right? But it's got to be Danny Green who actually needs to make shots because that dude has been shooting like he can't like he can't see like where the basket is at all, you know, like, um, maybe you I have P. one. Oh, I just
1: have one. I just have one question for you. What's that? How many more, how many more? What? <laughs> nah, that's what Danny Green has on the back of his jersey. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, is that, is that really, I haven't been paying attention. Cause like yeah. every time he touches the ball, I
1: look away. Yes. Uh Snoop Dogg tweeted out how many more and then like he edited like text after threes. Are you gonna F and miss? Oh my gosh. <laughs>
0: oh my gosh. Dude I <laughs> <laughs> Snoop Dogg actually tweeted that?
1: Uh no, I think it's on his I'm pretty sure it's on his Instagram story you, you or a to, Oh my gosh, old, you, need so.
0: a, you need to show me that if you can find any of that. You, oh my <laughs> gosh. Okay, so I don't want to like I don't want to you know be too hard on Danny Green because again he he's won in the Spurs system he literally won in Toronto last season, but shooting I you know he he misses at least ten shots a game, you know and a majority of the shots that he takes are from three. You know they the Lakers literally signed you to be a three and D guy, you're giving them the defense, right? But you're like saying you know. The, Again, he's literally, like, he shoots like he can't see where the basket's at. Like, he closes his eyes and says, fuck it. I'm just going to chuck it up there and see what happens, right? Um, Yeah. Ideal defensive guy. Don't get me wrong. Um, KCP, actually, I have no slander for him. He's actually been pretty good. Um, Good job, Kentavious (laughs) Caldwell-Poop. My my last thing, though, on the Lakers, though, um, Kyle Kuzma needs to make smarter decisions. I definitely think he cost them Game Four, especially he killed all the momentum for their comeback by making some of the dumbest decisions I've made, I've seen. Yeah. Uh, look, uh, again, you know he, he's a talented player, um, albeit he is inconsistent, but he's he's talented, right? But some of the things that he did yesterday, like you know he, the driving kick that he tried to do to Rondo, like dude, why are you trying to do a one-hand no-look pass? You know, just get the ball. If you want to do a one-handed pass, you know, get make sure you get the ball in your hand before you actually like, you know, throw it like, he, and actually know where you th- you know, where your guy is before you throw it. Right. Um, That, that three, that three wide open three, he hesitated. And then after he gets closed out on, he, start, he starts to, you know, pull up. Like it's one of those things where you, you know, I guess, you know, it'll come with it more experience in, you know, in, in his career, but, He's, you know, you just have to play smarter, and like, it it did cost, you know, the the Lakers from, you know, absolutely, you know, demoralizing the Nuggets at that point because they at, at some point were within three. So, yeah, definitely. Um, that and the Lakers big men outside of eighty absolutely need a step up. You know, again, they are like boxing out, trying to box out Nikola Jokic, right? Um, but there is no way that Javale McGee and Dwight Howard, who are you know absolute giants, are getting out rebounded by Jeremy Grant. There's just no way, you know. Um, yeah,
1: it's that's a pretty rough look. But see, I think part of that is because <clears throat> it's because Jokic spends so much of his time on offense at the top of the key. Yeah, that the big guys aren't even like they're just not in position just because of the way Jokic is able to play.
0: And that's fair, but I I think you know. Um, you know, Javale. I think you know he he's been part of a you know championship winning teams, especially with the Warriors, right? Um, yeah, Dwight Howard. Sure, I guess you know like he he had that two thousand nine you know Magic run, but you know these these players know well enough, and they've seen you no know, tape of like how the Nuggets play, and they've seen firsthand like how how the Nuggets play with Jokic, right? You would think yeah. that you know. If he's at the top of the key, right, and sure, you want to close out, but they also have to be quick enough to kind of run back. And they, they have the ability to do that, you know. Um, right. I think knowing that Frank Vogel is such a great defensive coach, I think, you know, they figure out a way to, like, kind of counteract that. Because, again, they're up 2-1, and they're probably going to, you know, knock on wood here, like, go up 3-1 here, because I don't want to look like a clown when, I, uh, when, <laughs> when people listen like this. And I, I keep – because again, I, like I, everyone knows this, like I'm going for a Lakers Heat Finals, right? But I, I at the end of the day, like, basketball is basketball. Like whoever makes it, you know, deserves to be in the finals. But I just did What was that?
1: I, I just said 100.
0: Yeah, like you know, I just believe that the Lakers are way, you know, so much more talented and know how to close out. That I don't think you know if the if the Lakers do go through one tonight. Um, I just don't see a way for for the Lakers to blow that lead. Even if they lose tonight and it's two two, I still think the Lakers win this in six. I, there's no way, in my opinion, for for LeBron to just you know take a beating like that.
1: Yeah. See, ultimately, I think the main advantage that the Nuggets have is that the Lakers have everything to lose and the Nuggets have nothing to lose. And it was the exact mm. same situation against the Clippers. Because Mm -hmm. even if, you know, even if the Nuggets lose out here, right, and they end up losing in five games, this is still, and, you know, to quote that one meme from Avengers Endgame, this is still an absolute win.
0: Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, big time. Um, And so speaking of the Clippers, I know we had a Clippers slander podcast like last episode, but it's still going to continue now because that's unforgivable. Mm -hmm. Um, The difference here, though, the the Lakers, I believe, also have more chemistry than the Clippers do. And I think the Lakers have more mental fortitude. Than the Clippers do on this end. Oh yeah, definitely. Because again, like even when they were down twenty, right? The, the Lakers still brought it. Like in the final quarter, they still rallied together and and pushed forward. However, if we if we remember when in Game Seven when the Clippers literally got down fifteen, they looked like lost and they accepted that they were you know they were they were done. So again, um, before we move on to the Nuggets, I think the Lakers. I think. As much as they do have all to lose, I think they still win this series no matter what. They're yeah. I, they're too good and actually have chemistry to actually, you know, get it together and and move on. Um, but moving along to the to the Denver Nuggets, you know, the Cinderella team and you know, I guess right now America's Darlings. Um my first point I would do want to make is Jamal Murray's a damn star. You know, I next year he deserves. To, to be an all-star whether it's a you know it's probably going to be a reserve role but he deserves to be an all-star you know in general um and he, great shooting especially at the end uh with those you know a couple of daggers he even threw up the threw up the steph shimmy celebration um but outside of the shooting like his passing has just been so so good like um, a couple of times like he you know he'll pull up for a like, go you know, mid range but you know he changes his mind because he sees you know a cutter heading to the basket and, you know bam just a quick pass into the basket two points right um yeah he, he's just a, he's, a, he's a great talent and um like I, like we've said before I think he his five year max contract that he earned with the with the with the pass off season is definitely worth it um yeah um i'm willing to admit when i'm wrong when i saw
1: that both he and jalen brown got those uh those five-year deals i was like aren't we giving these players big deals a little too early but Mm -hmm. i was wrong in both of those cases so i'll uh i'll accept the l there now with that oh sorry oh that's fine uh with that being said um all-Star is going to be an uphill battle because it's the Western Conference and mm-hmm. Stephen Curry's coming back. And, mm-hmm. you know, those guard spots are uh, kind of limited out there.
0: I agree. But I, I still think he deserves, like, a huge consideration, especially if he does, like, continue, like, the trend that he's been doing with how he is in the bubble. I think yeah, he deserves, definitely. like, a, a deserved a shot because this man went 28-12 and 12 last night. You know, he has – and he has, again, like – Curry level confidence, but he's shooting like those threes. Like he pulled up from way downtown um, to help seal the seal the Lakers uh, Lakers away. Um, I can't wait until Damon Lillard's passive aggressive tweet when
1: uh, Jamal Murray replaces him in the All Star game. <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, that's a you know, That's a debate for another day. But I would actually, I would, I would be so pissed for Dame too. I'm not gonna lie. He <laughs> <It> has been <laughs> stubbed too many times. That's so lame. But well, that's a debate for another time. Um, Another point I had uh, written down was that I think Jokic is easily a top three, maybe you no, know, for sure top five center in the league, for sure. I think that he is so much more, you know, so much better than than a lot of these back to the basket, you know, traditional centers that you know are superstars in the league, you know, like Joel Embiid and whatnot. Like he is such a great passer, and like oh, yeah. <laughs> it is unreal how he how he's. I don't know if it's like. You know they train like you know european players to to you know pass from the very beginning or you know whatever it is, but he is such a great facilitator he's um, he, he has so, a better. he has range too like i it's amazing like he can do like he literally can do whatever you need him to do and you, you, you can you can make you if jamal Murray was like never on this team i wouldn 't be surprised if they you know Do like a Ben Simmons thing and just have him be point guard, but he's a point center instead of a point forward. Like he's that good to me. Yeah. No,
1: I think it's I think for all the like, you know. I'm gonna go out and say I think he's the best center in basketball right now. Oh. Um, Well, at least at least offensively, you know. Okay. Defensively he still has some uh there's still some guys that are better all around than he is, but At least on offense, I don't. Frankly, I don't even think it's close. Mm,
0: Okay, so, all right, so we we won't debate this, right? But you know, quick take: who is better? Because my top two would be probably Jokic and Embiid, right? And I assume that's what you your top two is. Mm -hmm. Who would you take if you're going to build a team? Who would you take?
1: Well. Nikola Jokic is playing in the Western Conference Finals, and Joel Embiid is tweeting from his cell phone.
0: All right, I'll take that. I'll take that as the answer. Yeah. Um, all right, <laughs> all right. So we'll all you Sixers fans. That's for another episode. We're not going to dive into that. But um, back to the Nuggets, because again, the Nuggets have been playing great basketball. I think uh, one one thing I did take note of is like the high pick and roll that they do with Jamal Murray and uh, Nikola Jokic. Um. They need to keep yeah they need to spam that strategy like crazy. Like um they need to spam it like they like you know, people spam the same moves in two K. Like <laughs> you know, it was very evident, like right, the Clippers, you know, could not defend them. That's why they lost, right? Um right. the Lakers had trouble defending, you know, the high pick and roll last night. And, you know, it opened up the floor for everybody. So unless the Lakers, you know, figured it out and had to stop it, like The Nuggets have to keep spamming this high pick and roll because it it opens up their offense. It literally, you know, helped them put up that 20 point lead that they had. Yeah. On the flip side, though, right, um, I just, and this also ties back to why I believe that the Lakers will win this series ultimately, is that I doubt that the Nuggets role players can consistently keep playing at a high level. Cause I just can't see Jeremy Grant going off for like 20 plus again, you know, that's just like a one time, like, Oh crap. He's like, he's feeling himself. Right. Um, I don't think Michael Porter jr. Can consistently like, you know, put up maybe 15 or 20. Right. Um, literally Paul Millsap killed his value, uh, free agency value this series. Cause he looks, you know, a bit slow and I, and he's kind of disappeared after he helped lead, you know, the, the nuggets come back on the Clippers. So, you know, I I love the the fight that the Nuggets have, but outside of Jokic or Murray, I just can't see the rest of the roster being like you know the the X factor per se.
1: Yeah, no, it's um at the uh you know, ultimately it's it's ultimately the LeBron James factor. I uh yeah. I've made a joke a few uh a few months ago basically at the beginning of the season which feels like it was so long ago oh, I know um and everybody was saying oh you know is LeBron James like you know is Kawhi Leonard better than him is Giannis Antetokounmpo better than him mm. and at that time I kind of edited out like I grabbed that Spongebob meme where it's like a box that says old oh, reliable <laughs> and then when he opens it it's like instead of his spatula it's LeBron James in there that's still how I think about LeBron, and until he proves me wrong, I, I can't bet against him, I against against anybody, really.
0: I agree with it. And plus, again, like, you know, I just – at some points they had, like, some unsustainable shooting. Like, um, they did finish shooting, you know, yeah. 55% from the field, um, 38% from three. And, you know, that's not saying that that's otherworldly, like, stats. I just think that, you know, a lot of the wet times when they, you know – they go on these hot runs. Like, I don't think, I just don't think that the, the nuggets role players are that good enough to consistently be like, yeah, we're on fire. You can't stop us. Like, no, you know, it's not like the warriors, like when everyone can literally be on fire and doesn't even matter. (laughs) Right. So um, again, uh, we'll see what happens tonight, but I still think that it's going to be the Lakers in five. Um, You want, do you want to give your prediction on this one or do you, do you believe in the Nuggets three
1: um, one? Again, I'm not gonna bet against Braun, but uh, I'll go. I'll I'll
0: say Lakers in six. Mm, okay. Are you gonna be like? So is this Lakers in six prediction that they win game four tonight, scare everybody with a possible Nuggets three one comeback, and then just seal the game in in six?
1: Uh, yeah, I can see that. I could definitely see them coming out more fo- more focused tonight, and then. Again, losing some of that focus in the next one.
0: Okay, we'll see. Um, game five or Game four is tonight. Uh, probably, I think in the next thirty minutes, because again, we are recording this. You know, when Thursday night, actually, sorry, uh, around like five to six PM right now. So, uh, we're looking forward to it. Um, moving right along, we do have more NBA news outside of the bubble. Um, one of the big name coaches that you know left you know, their respective teams. Um, Billy Donovan uh, is now the new head coach for the Chicago Bulls. Um, I personally think this is a great hire for the Bulls. And, you know, for all Bulls fans out there, you know, you guys are now in the hands of a great, competent front front office um, that knows what they're doing. And now a coach that doesn't make you clock in or make you run suicides. So... (laughs) You know, you guys got that going for you guys. Um, his contract is a four-year, 24 million contract. And oh. yeah, so that's a that's a huge bag. And um, Zach Levine did say that he likes to hire when he was, you know, live streaming on um, Facebook because I guess Facebook can even can live stream games now uh, while he's playing Warzone. And so the question I do want to pose, though, like as much as I love this hire by you know by Chicago is, you know, Billy Donovan, you know, made it known that he didn't want to rebuild in OKC, right? And Sam Presti even said this mm. too. But he goes to Chicago that's essentially a rebuilding team. So, you know, what is that even supposed to mean? Did, did Presti lie to us? Did they lie to us all?
1: No, I don't think so. See, the thing is, the Thunder are just getting started with their rebuild. Okay. The, Bull, the Bulls already have plenty of young talent that has played with each other before. and. Mm-hmm. They at least were united in wanting their previous coach fired, so yeah. at least they at least they showed chemistry in that.
0: <laughs> um, so uh, I agree with you on that, though. But um, and I'll let you finish your point after I, I say this. It's I know like the Thunder are starting their rebuild, but I still like the. In my opinion, I think the Thunder are more far ahead in their rebuild because they actually have you know solid assets and even more draft picks to To build around on all they have to do is offload CP3 and I guess Steven Adams or, or Schroeder, whoever, but I still think they're, and they, they made the playoffs, you know, for sure. And I still think, I just still think they're, they're farther ahead of a rebuild than, than Chicago is at this point, but, you know, go on and and finish your point.
1: Well, uh, to respond to what you just said, um, huh. the Thunder rebuild, I believe the word, Sam Presty wants to say but can't say is tanking. Because um, uh because even though they have a lot of picks, the Clippers should in theory be good next year, so that pick won't be, you know, that great. Mm. Now, after next year, if things don't work out and Kawhi and Paul George leave, then it's going to be like the the Nets to the Celtics, right? All yeah. those, you know, high, All draft those picks. high draft picks. Yeah. Sorry, sorry about Pokemon. At that one. It's fine. We're
0: over. We have Katie and Kyrie now. We're supposed to contend <laughs> for a title. I'm okay with it. Yeah. From that
1: perspective, you know, I think that mm. the th- the Bulls are
0: further along, you know. Okay. I can see it. I just, it just, it just feels weird because, again, you have such a young core that actually made the playoffs, and I feel like they could possibly contend for an eighth seed next season in OKC that even well, if you. Even if you did trade CP3, you'd still have a competitive roster per se. Yeah,
1: frankly, I, I think Chicago can compete for an eighth seed in the Eastern Conference too. <laughs>
0: Shoot, any, yeah, I mean anyone can like that. Look, <laughs> no, and, and I'll dive into the into that take actually because I, I agree with you. Um, look, the East is literally just Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Toronto, Philly, Boston, Miami, and Indiana. That's it. That, you know, you can cut off the whole Eastern like that's it. You can cut off the rest of the Eastern <laughs> Conference. That's it. You only need seven teams to compete for the title. That's it. Um, but to your point, though, that and you know, my follow up question to, to the earlier question was that you know does the front office, you know, and Billy Donovan himself believe that this is a playoff caliber team? And you said, yeah, and I, you know, I'll agree with you. Um, I think that's like the mindset that these, you know, they have. Um, I don't think they're going to be a championship contender, and that's why I also I quite. Yeah, like that's why I kind of questioned, like, you know, if Billy Donovan wanted to compete for a title, like he, he probably would have gone to Philly, right? Because they have a preset, you know, you know, on paper and in theory, like a, a championship contender roster. Obviously, that was proven false, but you know, maybe under the right coach, it could be. I guess you know, in, in that vein, right, and, and us agreeing in a sense that the the Bulls can compete for the eighth seed. I think if Donovan can figure this out early. And I think he'll have a lot of time between now and January, which is when the NBA is supposed to restart or start the the next season. Right. And the rumor is going to be Martin Luther King Day. So if you if we do the math here, that's essentially you know one, two, three, about three and a half, almost four months of like time, right? Right. And I think they're also doing their um their in market bubble that a lot of the non playoff teams get to do and so if you combine that and you combine all this time they have i think you can have billy donovan figure it figure out what you know what works best for this team and just like how he took you know this thunder team this past season um you can take the chicago bulls that have already a young core you know and they could be good if developed correctly you know you have zach levine um, wendell carter jr um Gafford, Lori Markin, Kobe White, um, and I think, you know, if he pulls like a thunder, you know, thunder like season, yeah, you can you can say that they can push for the eighth seed, maybe the seventh at their peak, but for sure an eighth seed that you know that's like a for sure ceiling you can put on them.
1: Yeah, and that's just for next season. If if these guys develop, you know, mm. you would think they would get better,
0: and and, and I think Billy Donovan's a good player development coach right like am i wrong like he did coach florida you know the florida gators where he you know they had Joaquim noah and all of them and they won a national title um, as we did see this season coach all these young players to the damn playoffs again i think this is a great hybrid chicago and he could develop you know the bulls players to where they need to be
1: it's definitely up from wherever they've been the, since Michael Jordan well not since Michael Jordan left but since uh Jimmy Butler left
0: Gosh, i didn't even the, the craziest part is that like that you know the Jimmy Butler chair wasn't even that long ago what was that, like 4 3 4 years ago yeah like 2017 i think yeah and like so like they were a playoff team like literally just 3 4 years ago it's just gar packs and you know i guess now jim boylan and fred hoyberg you know, you kind of make bad decisions <laughs> and you kind of put yourself there. But again, like I, Chicago is a top five pick. I think they pick fourth overall, so they can get a solid. Wow. Yeah, they have they have a solid you know, shot at getting a you know a solid player. Um, then it's not a and they might not be a superstar, but it's something, right? To combine with you know, again Zach Levine, who just came up a twenty five five and five season, right? Um, yeah,
1: it's it's looking good.
0: You know, Gafford. Uh, Gafford actually looking like a good center, and that's and that's my actual thing. My only issue is like their their big man rotation. You have two starting caliber, I guess, young centers, and Wendell Carter Jr. and and Gafford. So I don't know how you you determine that.
1: Um, yeah, they also got the seven footer and Lowry.
0: Yeah, but he plays he plays power forward, so I don't think that should be too much of an issue. Um, but no, again, Lowry Market is now looking like a he needs to be a revival. Um, career revival project, and so does Krista So, I have high hopes for them. I think they're going to be a team to tu- to tune in now because of Billy Donovan. So we'll see. Um, in other coaching news, um, one of the biggest rumors now, ever since you know Billy Donovan, you know who's one of the marquee head coaches on the market, is off, is is now you know off the market. Um, the next and still the biggest name uh, is Mike D'Antoni right now. The current rumor for Mike D'Antoni is the Philadelphia 76ers. So, right. And, and apparently according to, if I remember correctly, according to Kevin O'Connor, you know, the Mike D'Antoni to Philadelphia, like, you know, talks are like been heating up and it's gotten to the point that if D'Antoni does sign, you know, to be the head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers, the 76ers front office is down to pull some trades off to make make the system that Mike D'Antoni wants to run and usually runs, like, work. Roster overhaul is totally possible here. My
1: hot take trade idea over the Sixers. Mm-hmm. If they want to make this work, they need a fast-paced offense where Ben Simmons is going to be the centerpiece of it. Mm-hmm. And they also need to find a way to get rid of Al Horford. Mm -hmm. 76ers fans, the people I've run it by hate it. Okay. And it's most likely not going to happen, but here's what I would do if I'm Elton Brand. Okay. I trade Joel Embiid for two to four first round picks. Oh my God. To who?
0: I don't know, whoever,
1: two to four first round picks, similar to what Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, you know what they got. Somebody out there will take him. He's, he's a, He's a you know okay. top top 10, 15 player, you. or whatever. Okay, I agree with you. And then you use those picks to ship Al Horford somewhere, and oh. now you have open cap space. You can build a fast paced offense around Ben Simmons with Mike mm. D'Antoni at the helm. Mm. You know we've seen in this bubble with like Jokic and Bam Adebayo that yeah. all players who can pass is a is a way for success. Yeah. You open up, then you open up cap space for another free agent in 2021 or wherever. Huh.
0: Okay, I'm kind of interested. And before I give you my, you know, my counter take on it, um, who realistically does this trade though? Like, like who would, who would realistically do this trade with Philly? Maybe Utah. Okay, you, <laughs> you. I don't know.
1: I don't know because they need somebody that's not go Gobert. It? I suppose, but then you're stuck with
0: Andrew Wiggins' bad contract. (laughs) Uh, Okay, that's fair. Um, So, here's my... so (laughs) That is an interesting hot take. Counterpoint, I kind of do disagree. I I genuinely think, right, you can... I still think you can run a D'Antoni offense with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Like, Joel Embiid is slow, but he's not like... He's not like slow, slow, you know?
1: Do you think he's willing to... Give total control of the offense to Simmons because if Mike Dantoni comes in, that's pretty much what's gonna
0: happen. I mean, you can, I feel like, because again, like Dantoni, like I know he's all about the whole analytics and the whole ISO stuff, but I think he'll be able to adjust to whatever roster you give him. He's done it with Phoenix, he's done it with the Knicks, um, he's done it with with the Rockets, mm-hmm. you know. So, I feel like he'll make the offense, you know, work around Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, you know, and I, it, the solution has been clear as day. You just surround Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid with shooters, you know, and that will literally like having shooters will literally make the D'Antoni offense run. Cause if you have Embiid and uh, Simmons like handle the ball, whether they're in the post or, you know, on fast breaks, you know, that that's fine. That's perfect. All you need is like outside shooters. And to me, I think the only big move they do need to do is get get rid of Al Slo, uh, Al Sloford because that is just <laughs> – look, like, again, like, he's a good player. Whatever happened this season, he just fell off the face of the earth, whatever it was. I don't – I don't know. Like, he might just be old, you know, but I think what you – and this has been a rumor – I think you just you just package him and some picks and just trade for CP three, but then also causes like a whole logjam of who runs your offense now.
1: See, that's that's where I started my my exercise of okay, Mike D'Antoni comes in. Sixers are willing to trade. How do they get rid of get rid of Al Horford? Mm-hmm. I don't think the Sixers' picks alone would be enough for any team to yeah. to take
0: him. I I don't know. I I just think like again like. The, the 76ers roster, like, makes it so hard to determine who stays and who goes. Well, yeah, because,
1: they're, paying like, they're paying $30 million a year to four guys or something like
0: that. Yeah, like, it, it makes Because, so, again, like, um, sure, I guess the bias here is you, you don't trade away because, you know, he's an actual shooter, you know. And it's just the, the way they constructed this roster, regardless of, like, if it's Embiid or Simmons just makes it terrible and hard yeah. to deal with, you know, and if, if they had like multiple shooters, I think this would have worked so much easier. And I think, you know, the whole Mike D'Antoni to Philly would have been done by now. Now with the current, you know, current roster, you know, I'll pull this, uh, and I'll pull it up um, in a second, but um, all, you, all it, the main priority, if they're going to at least improve their team, is to get rid of Al Horford and then just go from there. You know, that's it. That's, that's all they can do. Like They just have to get rid of Al Horford. And then that should open up everything to see where they go from there. Who else is on this roster other than like Simmons and Embiid and Horford and, and uh, what you call it, Tobias Harris? Um, they have Korkmaz, um, Mike Scott, Matisse Theibel, who's actually a solid rookie, um, Josh Richardson uh, on and off, right? Yeah. Um, Raul Neto, so they need to replace him because they need a better point guard. Um, Shake Milton, I guess they keep him. Kyle O'Quinn, I think, is gone. Um, and then a bunch, uh, Alec Burks has gone too, probably. Glenn Robinson, the third, is gone too, probably. And random Zaire Smith, who barely plays, they're in a tough spot, and there's no one else to blame but Eldon Brandon, in the front office.
1: Yeah. Um, they might just have to wait it out, honestly.
0: They might. I think, you know, I think, I mean, Philly has a pick in, in, in this draft. Yeah, um, but I think that might have to be packaged if they're going to get rid of Al Horford. Oh no, they're going to have to package a lot of
1: picks if they want to get rid of Al Horford. Three more, three more years of
0: Horford. Yeah, so um, if you do, I think you you hire D'Antoni as soon as you can, because again, we have four months until January, which is when the NBA is supposed to start their 2021 season. Yeah, and so you have these four months, and I think trading should be, you know. Well, I'll tell you, you only have, like, one month because we're already in October, and, you know, the draft is November 18th, and that's when people are supposed to start doing trades and stuff. And we're going to assume that free agency starts, like, Thanksgiving week, right? Like, the week yeah. after. So, I, again, I think as much as you have four months, you also have to, like, kind of rush to kind of figure out what you want to do as a team. Personally, I would love to see my – like, I would hate to see uh, Mike D'Antoni on the, on the Sixers because that causes more problems in the East. And I want to see Brooklyn run the East next season. So that's going to be an issue. But then I'm also not tripping if Mike D'Antoni goes to Philadelphia because he can't go full D'Antoni ball because of how that roster is constructed. But yes. Yeah. The other coaching uh, name that's supposedly like the second top candidate for uh, Philadelphia is Ty Lue. Yeah, do you think Tyloo gets gets a fair shot? I think at, their
1: first priority would be D'Antoni, yeah. and if and if they can't promise to put a roster around him, they'll go with the they'll go with mm-hmm. Tyloo.
0: I agree with that point because again, I think at this point, I think Tyloo is like I won't say ideal, but I think he'd be a good coach for Philadelphia because he I, he knows how to manage you know manage, manage egos. You know, and that's what Philly needs, especially with how toxic that lock that locker room is. Yeah, and so, I mean, I think he'd be a great, great hire for Philly. Um, and 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 so, and also to add to his point, I don't think he's just you know he's as dumb as a coach as like people kind of like make him out to be, because he I, he is a smart coach. Let you know, let, let's get that out there. I don't think just because he had LeBron, like oh, that's all you did. Like no, like. I think Tyloo's is a pretty, you know, good basketball IQ coach to make it work. Um, it's just again get rid of Sloford. and they're probably going to have to beat out Houston to the punch because Houston also wants to get Tyloo as well. So we'll see. Um, hopefully, you know, we get more news soon, and that's about it for um, for the Philadelphia coaching uh, rumors. And so I think with that, that is also all we have to talk about today on a few hours. So uh, Usman, um, thank you for you know coming out and, and joining me today. Um, hopefully your heat close out in five. You know supporting you on it. I want that Lakers heat finals. Don't disappoint me. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh sorry. Uh, before before we cut off, uh, breaking. You know we got got some uh, shams bomb for tonight um, for the Lakers Nuggets. White Howard is actually going to be starting tonight and not, and not Javiel McGee. So I don't know if that changes anything mm. for the Lakers, but that's something to that take out of. Um, and also uh, speaking of the 76ers, um, Joel Embiid is now a father. He's, he has a, is him and his oh, girlfriend just welcomed. Yeah. Welcome to child to the world. So congratulations to them. But yeah. Okay. So for sure this time where, you know, that is, that is all we have. I said mm-hmm. all those, you know, breaking news, shout out, uh, NBA Twitter, but, um, yeah, for, for all our listeners, you know, we've been doing this for a month now and, um, you know, thank you guys for, you know, supporting all this way, um, you know, for the first month, you know, all our, all our numbers have actually been, you know, really positive for a podcast that's been starting up. So again, to all our listeners and to all our, all our followers on social media, you know, thank you guys. Um, so continue to, you know. Promote this podcast on Spotify and uh, Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast from. And also continue to follow us on Instagram um, at Nephew Hours. And so with that, um, I'm your host, Miggy, and you guys have a great night. And we'll see you soon.